Hey everyone, welcome to the first ever episode of the New York Curb Podcast. I'm your host, Olivia Landis. I am so incredibly excited to bring you engaging and unique content this year, never before done here at the New York Jets. I really wanted to create a platform where we could highlight women and their roles in the NFL while at the same time, of course, talking about Jets football. So I'm so excited for this season. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening. I cannot wait. And without further ado, I am so excited to introduce my very first guest, NFL Network analytics expert and Jets 360 content contributor, Cynthia Freeland. Cynthia, thank you so much for joining me. Congratulations. This is going to be so much fun. I'm really proud of you. I can't wait to see what you come up with. And I am so honored to be your first guest. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much, Cynthia. That that really means a lot. I think that's that is exactly why I'm doing it, because we need as women so much support here in the NFL. And there's a lot of us. Our numbers are growing, which is so exciting. Absolutely. It's a lot of fun to see the growth of, you know, different roles for women, too. So not just one traditional role. Now you're doing all of these different things across all of these different platforms. And it's great. So it's just let's just keep it rolling. Cynthia, I want to dive into you as a person and what your exact role is in the league. NFL analytics expert. A lot of people might hear that and not know exactly what that means. So can you explain to the general audience what it is that you do for the NFL Network? So in the same way that you have like front office people that are go on TV or you have former players that go on TV to try to tell stories, bringing their perspective, I'm representing the perspective of analytics staff. So deep data insights. How do you get an edge against your opponents? What are your coaches and front office staff looking at in order to create the best possible scenario for the Jets. The Jets have an analytics department. Every team has an analytics department. So I'm showing that view to the public so we can see, all right, what is the strategy? How do you break down all of these deep data science things and make sure you're seeing the trends and the, all the different ways to analyze the game just like a coach does, just like the front office does. That's more around draft season. But how do you bring in the right players? How do you pay them the right amount of money? How do you win football games? All that through the perspective of math. It's kind of like a scout. A scout gives you for the perspective of their eye and going to watch them in, in college games and how they can translate to the NFL. Well, this is how do you use deep insights about trends to get that edge against your opponents? I'm so happy that you, you dove a little bit into how you're similar to a scout. Like you said, you're analyzing all of the data and trying to incorporate how exactly teams can use that and what it means for them. We actually talked about this maybe a few months ago, and you were telling me something so interesting that I, I didn't even know this was part of your job, but you said you work very closely with scouts and coaches to let them know, hey, these are the things that you need to look out for if you want to find success in A, B, and C areas. Can you dive a little bit deeper into what exactly that means? Yeah, so a lot of us have preconceived notions and biases. We all do. And math can help kind of remove some of those. So what you can say is, for example, let's say you're deciding between three running backs to add in free agency, and they're all around the same price. Let's just, you know, these, these are the prices. You could say, let's do a deep dive into these running backs that fit our scheme. Well, we like to run outside the tackles a lot. We like to do all of these different things. So you create sort of a resume. And of those resumes, you can look back of, through the past 
of the experience that certain running backs have in the league and say they've been really good at rushing outside the tackles. They're a better fit for the Jets than, say, someone else, for example. Right. So it's really about finding the right attributes of a player. So you take into consideration the situations that they've been in and kind of the context of the score. The, is it late in the game? Is it early in the game? Do they run on first down, for example? And you put all of those things together. You get all of these insights, all of these snaps together to fit a profile. So one fit player does fit better than others. And in just the same way a scout looks at it through their eyes, you can use math to help you kind of, you know, figure out, oh, is this one a little better than this one? And which one really fits our scheme and what we'd like to execute the most? And the better the fit, the better the opportunity to execute those plays that the coach wants to, to run. I have to ask because the coaches really listen to you and you have all of this analysis, analytics, all of this data that helps them. How satisfying is it when some of the coaches take your advice and take the data that you've provided <laughs> them and you see it play out on the field successfully? How how gratifying is that you know it's incredibly gratifying it's <laughs> one of those things that look at the end of the day you just want to be useful and helpful and you want to you know move the ball forward literally and figuratively so being able to help contribute to that you feel like the small t it can be this tiny of a part but you feel like this small thing you've done actually has made a difference and you get to see it and that's really amazing so it is incredibly gratifying and then it makes you want to do more. I use I use a lot of like I write a lot of computer code, which is very ner incredibly <laughs> nerdy. Like I, I will own my nerdiness, but it's interesting to see how some of the things that, you know, you've mapped out on computer vision actually work out in real life. So it's it's very, very cool. Very cool. How is this role going to develop within the league? Because please correct me if I'm wrong, but it's fairly new. Correct. This implementing all of this analytics into coaches decision making how do you see this developing with it being fairly new but it's taking off people are really using this so the a word analytics because people won't claim that it is it's been hidden in quality control or in research or you know they've had different names for it for a long time the really the big difference is the advent of using lots of big data and looking at snaps kind of in a in a very long, like I can look at 10 years worth of season data very quickly. And that's oh, wow. really what's made the big difference, right? It's the ability to use all this code and the power that computers and computing has in order to give you a lot more information. So your sample size is larger. In football, we only play 16 games a season or, you know, before the postseason. And of those 256 games, you're not getting a ton of information. Whereas basketball, baseball, they play way more games. So you just get way more snaps right you get way more pitches you get way more possessions in basketball and because of that being able to use years and years worth of football data and be able to track okay it's like which this coach worked under this coach what kind of scheme like who's their mentor being able to create those deep insights gives you a bigger edge but you can't do it just from watching film because it would take you a very long time to watch all of those games so the computing yeah. gives you that horsepower. That's really what supercharged it. That's so incredible. I hope everybody listening just took all of that information in and realizes how critical your role is in the league. Make and your kids learn how to write computer code. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's the future. Learn it, it code. Sounds it's like a good it. language. It sounds yeah. like it. How long did it take you to develop in computer code. I mean, I know you said you used to work on Wall Street and you've always dealt with finances and math. How long did it take you to learn computer code? Because that's not the average easy thing to do. 
I keep learning every single day. You have to keep learning and technology evolves. There's always something new. There's always a new language. There's always something more you can do. And so you got to keep at it and keep at it and keep at it. But that also means that if you start right now, you can get ahead too, right? You don't have to go back and work years and years and years. You just have to start putting in the time, putting in yeah. the reps. It took me a long time and I'm evolving and I'm not the best coder. All I know is enough to be dangerous with football, right? Like I couldn't go <laughs> oh, I love write that. you. I couldn't go write you a code for creating an app for the app store to play a game, yeah. but I, I can write you some computer vision to tell you, you know, what's going on with your running back. That's a, yeah, a dangerous woman when it comes to coding football. <laughs> I love that. that hacker. Yeah, hacker. <laughs> Got all the codes. That actually is a perfect seg segue into my next question for you. Being a woman in this role, how difficult at times is it? Because, I mean, please share any of this information if you know, but I don't know a lot of other women who are in the role that you are in, in this league. So what are some of the challenges of being a female in that role? There are a few, and we're getting, there's more and more happening every day, which is good. Yeah. And if anyone is interested, but again, you gotta, you can contact me, hit me up, and I will, I will help as best I can, especially if you know how to code and you do the work. People who do the work, I'm just like you know, Olivia, if someone yeah. does the work, you know I'm happy to help them. So ultimately, what, the, thing that, the thing that's really interesting about being a woman here is you have an opportunity. You can look at it as a disadvantage or you can look at it as an advantage because there is nothing about my role that means that I needed to have played football in my past. I don't get an edge being, I, I clearly didn't play, right? Like, I'm not that <laughs> yeah. tough. I'm, I'm not very tough. So ultimately, it, you can use it as an advantage. When a coach, I talked about biases. When I ask a coach a question, if it's a, it's, if it's a reasonably intelligent question, it seems like it's a very intelligent question because how would I know where the safety is supposed to go on that play? Because I never played safety, right? Yeah. So it, it can be an advantage as well. So you have an opportunity to view it as a disadvantage or view it as an advantage. That is, it is all on you to view an obstacle as a roadblock or an obstacle as something to help prop you up so you can jump even higher. That's, and you gotta just keep doing it just like that but it, there is nothing about this role that means that you need to have played football before. And that's the thing people need to, to, to really understand about analytics and all of this stuff. So in what other ways do you think women can place themselves to be successful in this specific role? Because like you said, you could look at it as a disadvantage or an advantage because oftentimes people say, you need to have played the sport to understand it, which just is not true at all. There are advantages to playing the sport, of course, mm -hmm. However, like you said, there are roles where you never need to even play the sport to begin with in order to understand. So how can women successfully set themselves up to be in positions like this with data analytics? So as with everything, you have to love it. If you don't love it, it doesn't, this is, this is every job everywhere. Find what you really love, find what you're good at, find where you can, where you're working for hours and hours and you don't, it doesn't even really feel like you're working for hours and hours. So once you found that, if, if this is where that is, then the way you can set yourself apart is to think creatively. Use the fact that you didn't play, go ask a player, listen to what they say. And when you listen, the more empathy you have for their position, the better off you are at coding it. Well, I was really lucky. I worked in the league office about a million years ago, 2008, okay, 12 years ago. <laughs> and I listened, I listened to what the coaches who yeah. were on the competition committee were telling me. And I just modeled it out. I didn't, in, I didn't inject my own thoughts. I didn't inject any of it. And I modeled out what they were saying. And then that allowed me to look for something else. Then I asked another person. And then I, I got really curious and I dug really deep. And by being super curious, 
and adding something that I was good at, which was creating models out of like things that were not normally modeled in a, in a way that people weren't really talking about. They were doing mm -hmm. it, but they weren't really talking about it. And then communicating it back. That's really the key. Empathy, you gotta listen, and then you gotta be able to communicate it back. And the, but the empathy to me is, it's just like anything else. Like if yeah. you are in, into data analytics, don't be, get in your, don't go down your own rabbit hole. Sometimes people, they think they're only, they're the right answer, right? Math people, we're, we're kind of introverts. So we kind of stay in our own little lane. But listen, go out there, listen, go out there, have empathy, go solve a problem that somebody needs to have solved. That's how you get, that's for anyone in any job, right? Go solve the problem that needs to be solved and be able to communicate it well. That's fantastic advice. Not even just for your position specifically, but in any professional career, especially in the sports world, because I think it's, especially for women, it's always changing, always needing to learn, always needing to communicate. That's one of the biggest things, in my personal opinion, is really good communication. But another key word you said that I loved was empathy. That's so huge. When you're genuine and empathetic towards people and their jobs and what they have to do, people are so much more open to being communicative with you and sharing their insight in order to help you with your job. Make your life easier. I'm a hacker in all ways. I'm a hacker <laughs> with computer code. I do what I need to, but also, if you if somebody is going to tell me their experience, I'm never going to have more. I'm never going to have more play calling experience than Adam Gase. I'm never going to have more roster building experience than Joe Douglas. But what I can do is I can listen to them and I can understand where they're coming from and trying to ask questions to be like, OK, what does this mean? Let's mm -hmm. clarify this. And then I can help them in terms of figuring out how to contribute something that's meaningful for the things that they want to achieve. Any coach, any GM, it's all the same. I have one more question for you about your career before we move on to some Jets topics. Mm -hmm. Is that challenging to have to talk to so many different coaches, so many different players and GMs? I feel like you're going to have to keep a laundry list of what everybody is saying. You know, it, luckily, it's not a huge world, right? There's, there aren't That's that true. many people, and they do stay a long time. The thing that the thing that's I would think probably the most the most interesting part of this is to the the thing I, I really try because I cover all of the teams, right? I get a chance to speak to a lot of different people, which is hugely, hugely helpful. And I learn so much. The thing that's that's the trickiest is probably figuring out, OK, how do I because some people are just nicer than other people and that's some true. people are more generous with their time than others. Right. How do I keep it all unbiased? So in all of my models, all of the teams are labeled things that are not teams so that I don't look at it and be like, oh, I like the Jets. Maybe I want them to win, right? Like, <laughs> I try to keep it all, like, really, really, like, it is all, the fidelity of my data is untouched. It, they're just named things that are mostly useless to me, right? Like, things yeah. I like equally. So that's the hardest part is to not, like, oh, but I like this person, right? I don't, yeah. don't want to get that involved. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic, though. It's, it's difficult. It's difficult, like you said, because we're it's human. It's a good problem to have. It's a yeah. good problem to have. All right, let's yes. move on to some Jets talk. As, as we all know, they are taking on the Buffalo Bills this week in Buffalo for week one. Now, you're a numbers woman, so I want to I throw some numbers at you, if you're cool with that. Ooh, of Sa course. Sam Darnold against this Bills defense, Cynthia. The Bills finished number three in the NFL in total defense last year in 2019. Number four against the pass. Now, the Bills actually lead the league in returning snaps defensively and offensively. They have 80.4% of their defensive snaps returning. So how much of a challenge 
does quarterback Sam Darnold have against this very talented pass defense? Yeah, it's a challenge. I mean, but, you know, the, the good news and the bad news is that you can look at preseason and the lack of preseason and you can say, all right, um, well, that stinks for us. Or you can say it also stinks for them. They didn't have those snaps together in the preseason either. So we're all kind of coming from the same spot. And maybe you could you can kind of imagine that, you know, what Adam Gase has been cooking up for the past month. We've seen none of it. We haven't seen anything from the Bills either, but in terms of figuring out those passes and kind of keeping that trajectory, because if you look to see how Sam Darnold improved towards the end of the season in the deep passing game, obviously let's go away yeah. from Tredavious White because <laughs> let's just stay, let's just <laughs> let's stay, away, just from stay away from him. <laughs> He's really good. Let's stay away from him and against the Blitz. So the you know if you look to see the last season, the, the Bills blitzed the ninth most often, and they had the fifth best passer rating allowed against the Blitz, meaning the fifth lowest. And that, to me, is, you know who else knows that? Adam Gase. You know who else knows that? Sam Darnold. So they're going to try to figure out a way to create the right opportunities away from the biggest threats. Obviously, the Bills' safeties and Tredavious White are their biggest threats. So why not just, you know, play the hits? Figure out where they have the best success in their playbook and, go, and move towards that. And we saw Sam Darnold improve against the Blitz towards the end of the season significantly. We saw Sam Darnold improve with the deep passes towards the end of the season significantly. And both of those things also Adam Gase knows. So these are areas where I think you're going to see Sam Darnold kind of return to form. Last season was a weird anomaly for him moving forward. Let's go. With all that being said, could you possibly see Adam Gase having or implementing a heavy run game because of all of the factors we just talked about? Sure. I mean, a healthy run game and play calling balance is one of, if not the best ways for a team to succeed in the NFL. Just that's, that is the data bears that out. You've seen, I, I say it kind of one of the ways because sometimes short passes can be substituted as running plays, right? So those short passes we saw to Lev Bell, for example, when he was a stealer, those are the types of things that are their runs, but they're technically passes, right? Yeah. So those are the types of things we're on early downs the success on early downs just to get those five yards, four yards to become more favorable second and third downs. That's where you're going to see that's where this game will be won or lost on both sides is, is, are you going to be good on early downs? Yes or no. The, the other stuff can keep, keep third down manageable. And that's the team that wins. I just have to quickly say what I absolutely love about so many women just in sports in general, but just listening to you talk, it just makes me so I just love it. I, I get so excited because you're so intelligent. You, you just, I learned so much from you listening to some of the, the stats that you talk about, how you implement it into the way you think about the game. It's incredible. Just side note, I had to say that. Well, thank you. I very much appreciate <laughs> that. And you know, the best part about being a woman in football, if, if you're going to do it, is we all love it. So yeah. we, you love it. I, like, I love listening to you talk. Like, I learned more about the Jets from you I learned, and the Bills, for example, you know, and whoever their opponent is. And it's a good thing because sometimes we're asked to know more. That's and very, definitely that's very true. are not allowed to make any as many mistakes. About <laughs> half the amount of mistakes and you got to know three times the amount. But that's right. <laughs> as long as we know it. So, all right. Second question here for you, Cynthia. Uh, Josh Allen, right? He is a very mobile quarterback. Everybody knows it. Like you said, Adam Gase, defensive coordinator Greg Williams knows it. Very mobile quarterback. Was third in the league among all quarterbacks in rushing yards with 510 rushing yards behind Ky Kyler Murray and, of course, Lamar Jackson. What exactly does Greg Williams' defense need to do to contain 
Josh Allen inside that pocket? I mean, look, there's two things that really need to happen. Josh Allen is a bit of a wild card. Those rushing yards aren't the same as Lamar Jackson's rushing yards, and they're not even really the same as Kyler Murray's rushing yards. Kyler Murray had some designed runs in there, and Lamar Jackson most certainly had designed rushes in there. So the difference is, is Josh Allen's scrambling has been great, and he does have more deep threats this season. They added Stephon Diggs, obviously. But the, the interesting part here is you got to get him in those weird, unmanageable third down situations, which Greg Williams is a great opportunity to do, given that last season, looking at first down, Jets allowed the fewest yards per play. That was a function of stopping the run primarily, being very good against the run, especially on first down. And then that leads to more unmanageable third downs because we've seen Josh Allen make mistakes when he's had yeah. too much time. In a weird amount of time, I, I say weird because sometimes it was a quick one that just went the wrong spot, right? But so it, it's really about keeping Josh Allen. He's Josh Allen off balance mentally so that he has to think about what's going on and read his progression tree because that's where you're going to see the lack of preseason come into play, right? They, they don't have that chemistry yet. He doesn't. He sure he's been working with Stefan Diggs, but they haven't had game speed yet. So mm -hmm. that chemistry is is going to take some time to form. Something interesting that you said that, to be quite honest, I didn't even necessarily think about is the designed run part because you are absolutely right when it comes to Lamar Jackson. Even Kyler Murray, I didn't, I didn't even think about it in that way with Kyler Murray specifically, but they're more designed runs for the, the former, right, as opposed to Josh Allen who a lot of the times was just scrambling out of the pocket because he was forced out of there. Let's so take it very himself, interesting. you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, final question about the Jets heading to the Bills, heading to Buffalo to take on the Bills. Brand new offensive line. Four new starters along that offensive line. One returning in left, in left guard Alex Lewis, but you look at the rookie left tackle Mekhi Becton from left to right. How are they going to develop chemistry so quickly? Because like you said, there's been absolutely no game speed. Now, good thing there's been no game speed for anybody around the league. So that's a that's a positive note. But what kind of chemistry do you expect to see on the field between the offensive line? So the interesting part, I got a chance to really look at Makai Becton's Louisville tape and he didn't play a lot of the, the passing sets are different from the NFL. The interesting part is he's super athletic, which means his ability to spring forward quickly is more like like an Aaron Donald, super fast, right? He doesn't need that extra minute to figure it out. He just reacts. He's got good instincts. That's going to be very helpful. Obviously, it will take some time for the O-line to develop. I think in the month of September, across the league, you're going to see more false starts. You're going to see more penalties along the O-line than even it, than we've seen in years past. And, it, and there's always an uptick in September just, just by virtue of the fact that we're getting back to, back to football. So, sure, there will be some missteps in that regard. So don't get mad, Jets fans, when you see maybe, maybe a false start, right? So... <laughs> But what I, what I think is really interesting is the athleticism and the, the, the fact that you can't teach that. You can teach someone shifts. You can teach them how to block for a run. You can teach them how to block for a pass. You can't teach them to be an instinctual athlete. And that's what Makai Becton really has. Then you have a lot of depth along the rest of the O-line. And that tr in trading out is going to be, they'll find that right rotation. They'll find that right combination of who the right guys are in the right situations. It, maybe not snap one against the Bills, but the, it'll as the game project, game one, week one, especially this year, 
more than ever is a game of adjustments and all those adjustments you'll keep seeing it so don't be surprised if you see a lot of rotation a lot of subbing in and out and changing spots so you got to get it just right because now you have Lev Bell needs to perform this year you got Frank Gore back there the strong run game will help the pass and it will also help the O-line those that that is going to be the key to not just this game but all the games because you know after the Bills, you got the Niners. That one's going to be tough, too. So yeah. it's, it's really adapting to that. Absolutely incredible insight, especially on the offensive line and Mekhi Becton. That's encouraging. Jets fans should be encouraged by some of those stats. So Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you so much. We're going to move into our final segment of the podcast right now. And it's just a little fun. We're going to have a little fun with it. We asked, we went to Twitter, and we asked some of you Jets fans to ask Cynthia and I some questions that we can answer. I have a couple of them pulled up now. Let's go ahead and go into the first one. We're going to read it right here off the phone. This one is from Stephanie Miller. And I actually love this question. Cynthia, we we talked about this right before we went on air. How can women from underprivileged communities get more involved in the NFL? I'll toss to you first, Cynthia, but that's a great question. It's a great question. Totally. The good part about the NFL is that it's everywhere. You have so many opportunities in so many different cities and so many ways to contribute. So keep an eye on, honestly, it sounds really simple, but keep an eye on the website for jobs that pop up. Keep an eye on each team. They, all, they come up at weird times sometimes, but just keep an eye out for it because they're always there. Now, if you want to specifically look to things like analytics, just where I know, there are some really great organizations like Girls in Tech and that mm-hmm. it doesn't matter where you live. You can join Girls in Tech and you can learn a lot more about how women can get jobs in technology fields. And, and tech doesn't just mean like, you know, big tech in Silicon Valley. It means football tech. It means mm-hmm. tech for everything. So I would say just, you know, look into the organization, see who I follow if you're if you're interested in, in data analytics. Right. So see where it is and, and look to education. There are a bunch of great programs and they don't even need to necessarily be you can go on Coursera. You can do it from home. You don't necessarily even need to go to, I went to Northwestern. You don't even need necessarily to have a, a, a master's of predictive analytics like I have. You don't need that. You can, you can go look on Coursera and see if you want to get into it in the data analytics field. Great answer. And I'm probably just going to reiterate a lot of the things that you said. I think it's really important, especially as women, to reach out to, to women in roles that you see you might be interested in. Like you, you gave an example, anyone that's interested in analytics, something like that, follow some of the women on social media that you see in those roles and see that are successful within the NFL, reach out to them. I would say that's my piece of advice because when I was a college student, I was that annoying college student that would message people on social media. I would bother some of the female reporters after the games asking them, can you please take a look at my reel? Can you please give me any piece of advice? Honestly, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. That's, that's the old saying, and I think it's true. Don't ever be afraid to be too annoying or too persistent because a lot of times, I can't speak for you, Cynthia, but you know, being a professional, you get so many emails, so many tasks that you have to do every single day. So a lot of times, some things can slip through the cracks. So if you're persistent and you constantly are finding ways, creative ways too, to reach out to women in roles that you see fit for yourself. I'm gonna say nine times out of 10, women are very, especially in the NFL, women are very supportive of other women. I wouldn't be here today without some of the women who in, were in professional roles at the time, didn't help me and reached out, you know, they reached out to me, they helped me, looked over my resume, gave me tips. I would not be where I'm at today without those women. So 
I have to pass along the favor to other women. Absolutely, and I would, I would amend that just a little bit. Make it a conversation. Sometimes yeah. I get some emails and it, I, I'm happy to help wherever I can, but if you email someone and say, hi, my name is so-and-so and I graduated from uh, blah, blah, blah yesterday and I need an internship tomorrow, can you get me one? Like, let's like ask something that is achievable. Cynthia, do you have 15 minutes to talk to me? I want to know your path because I want to know what it would take to become what you did. What did you do? How did you get here? Right? Yeah. Like, ask a real question because there's no, I, I can't do it for you and you mm -hmm. can't do it for them. Like, I'm, I will do everything I can to ignite and lift up, but you got to be, ask a question that I can answer. Right? 15 yeah. minutes. Of course, I've got 15 minutes for you. Mm -hmm. get, get you an internship tomorrow? I don't have an internship to give you. I would love <laughs> yeah, to, like, but I'm I don't not have the boss. One, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I also think it kind of goes back to what we said earlier about just being genuine. If you're genuine with people and not just interested in an end goal, like, oh, I need a job, so yes. let me reach out to this person. No, no, no. If you're genuine and you truly want to know somebody's path and are curious about advice that they can give you, you can always yes. pick up on stuff like that. I agree. 100%. All right, let's go into the next tweet. I'm going to read this second one. This one is from Joe DeProspero. Hopefully I pronounced your name right, Joe. It says, this is a fun one, of all the players on the Jets roster, who's the most fun to work with? Cynthia, have you had uh, enough experience with some of the Jets players to go off this one? So not this year's roster, obviously, because I don't know if anyone's had enough yeah, experience. Yeah, that's true. Them, it's all but, virtual. <laughs> but last year, I, was, I did th some work on preseason, and preseason was fun because, first of all, everyone's in a great mood because everyone's got a winning record. And, you know, it's just a little bit more casual. So I feel like I had a pretty good, I got a, a pretty good chance to, you know, I, I talked to a few people and I, I feel like, I, I, feel like I, can, I can make a, an accurate assessment of who I think is the most fun, one of the most fun players on the team. You ready for it? I'm ready. I'm ready. Tell I was me. A big, I was a big Brian Poole fan. I really? Still okay. Yep. Like, just, I like, you know, little smart, quiet, focused, I was yeah. in. That's actually very true, very true about Brian Poole. He is, I would say, a little bit more reserved what, with what I've experienced from him anyways, yeah. especially well, being I on, like on camera. That's, that's how I roll. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a little bit more reserved, very nice, always willing to help out. I, I like that answer. I think for me, this is tough because honestly, people are going to say, oh, you're biased, but truly there are a lot of great guys inside that locker room. But I would, I'm going to have to say, I'm going to have to say Full Lorenzo Faducasi. He is just, honestly, Cynthia, probably one of the most genuine, kind human beings I've ever met. A lot of people can back that up, too. He's just, we did a segment with him the other day for Jet Life, and it was a fun segment. It was, it's called Jeopardy. You guys got to watch it out. Shameless plug, Jet Life, Jeopardy. Love it. Super, super fun. He was energetic. He, he was interactive. Just, he was like, just truly himself, just very fun, happy. Awesome. Love that. Love that about him. All right, let's let's move on to our third one, our third and final one. Here, Cynthia. This one is from Nat Allard. He says, "What concrete steps can the NFL (parentheses and other leagues) take to increase the number of women in front office leadership roles and also in the coaching ranks?" That's a really good question. I think the NFL is making steps in that way, though. Cynthia, you want to go first? I think part of it is the pipeline, right? You don't yes. get a you don't get a good coaching job or a front office job if you don't have experience. Like it's very hard to get, you know, it, it, in any job, it's very hard to get the CEO job if you've never yeah. worked in the industry 
that you, that you're maybe getting to be the CEO of. So it's all about the pipeline and encouraging younger, more entry level women to start in those ranks and then grow them because there is an aspect of football and basketball and baseball that's mentorship. It's not, yeah. you, it's very hard to come in from the outside. Once you get past a certain level, it's very hard to come in from the outside yeah. and be a really big contributor because the, the, there's so many nuances. I mean, the revenue system alone in the NFL is just so unique and very, it's very nuanced. So if you don't have experience in it, it'd be very hard to come in at a level that's high, right? So it's establishing and increasing the pipeline of younger women that are getting hired to roles that are a bit more entry level. Incredible answer again. Like, and I think you're very correct in that way in order to, just like any other business, because at the end of the day, sports still are a business. So in order yeah. to make steps and you know, become promoted, be in those leadership roles, like you said, you have to have more women, which I think there are now. I think many more women are encouraged in wanting to do entry-level roles, getting in sports, and sports are becoming better and better about that on implementing women into the leagues. So I think you're really going to see a lot more women in leadership, possibly even coaching roles within the next years to come because since women have already started getting a foot in the door in sports, now you're seeing them rise ranks, like you said. Now you see these women who have been in the league for years and years and have learned so many different things. So I think it's gonna, it, it could change a lot within the future and I think it will, just like it has in many other sports. Yeah, I'm really encouraged because it's, see, I, I always get that thing where, because I don't, I don't work in like marketing or, you know, some, some certain roles are more conducive to women being hired than others, yeah. right? And I'm seeing change and I'm seeing more females being hired to more finance roles and more roles like mine with analytics. Like this is, a, it's a growing field in general, but, you know, women are also being a part of that growth. And part of it is just knowing that the jobs are available. So go out there and pound the pavement. Don't be intimidated mm -hmm. by the fact that, you know, it seems like a dream job to go work for the Jets. You can go get that job. You just got to keep working and keep yep. at it and not give up. And that's and, and that's the same thing if you want. You know, there, there just are more jobs at banks, right? There are more banks, you know. Like, so it, these are harder jobs to get just in general. So you have to keep looking even harder because they're very competitive jobs. So just keep going. Yeah, I, I will say though, once you do get your foot in the door, it's a lot easier yep. to stay. It's all about getting your 100%. foot in the door. But once once you're in, yep. it's easier to stay as long as you work your butt off. It really, it's true. That's right, that's right. Cynthia Freeland, I am so happy. You successful first guest for the my new podcast, The New Yorker. Thank you so much. I cannot thank you enough. You are incredibly intelligent. You're gracious with your time. You're always so kind and have wonderful advice. Thank you so, so much for being the first guest on the New Yorker podcast. I am so, I feel so <laughs> grateful. Thank you for being, the, allowing me to be your first guest. And I cannot wait to see what you do with this. I know it's going to be great. I'm cheering for you all along. Anything you need, you know, I've got your back. Thank you so much, Cynthia. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. This has been an incredible start to the New Yorker podcast. I hope you guys listen every week whenever whenever it comes out this was just a start to the season we're gonna have a lot of fun content for you throughout the entire year so thank you and i'll see you guys next week